I'm James Bernardo, and welcome to Startup Roast, Garage Society's podcast for the time poor entrepreneur. On today's episode, we're brewing with Saurabh Jajurika, founder of Endovision, uh, a startup that is innovating medical technology by automating the endoscopic diagnosis of the digestive tract via AI-driven software. That's quite a mouthful, Saurabh. Um, so talk to me about uh, yourself and also what is Endovision and, and what are you hoping to solve here? Right. So let's start with uh, probably endoscopy because it's something which most people don't know. So uh, basically endoscopy is a medical diagnostic procedure in which the doctor looks at the internal digestive organs of a patient in order to find signs of abnormality in real time. So uh, there could be like different kinds of endoscopies. Like you can like uh, imagine this way that all the natural orifices of human body, we can literally go inside. But let's not talk about the other ones. <laughs> let's focus on the ones that we are working on, which is upper GI uh, endoscopy, mm -hmm. which goes from mouth all the way to stomach. Yeah. Um, so the thing that we are trying to do is to reduce the missed rate of gastric cancer in East Asia, which okay. is 10 times more likely to happen. Because um, like, so basically in East Asia, uh, gastric cancer is 10 times more likely to happen as compared to the Western counterparts. Is that something to do with diet or, I don't know, something, some sort of uh, social situation? Uh, yeah, so there's, there has been a lot of research, um, but there's, right now there is, to be honest, no concrete answer. Uh, people are, are hypothesizing based on mixed mix of factors like ethnicity, diet, uh, plenty of reasons. Um, but Kind it is what it is, right? You know, like so in East Asia we have more gastric cancer. Um, in the West we have more uh, colorectal cancers. So yeah, that's that's the idea about endoscopy. But then I think your question is more about like how we came into this. Yeah, how did you identify that as a, a problem, and how did you see that you could apply AI as right. a solution? Right, right. So so basically uh, this, as we, as you can un everyone can understand, it's a very specific, very niche field, right? So. In order to be able to do this, you need so many things. We need like very strong medical background. We need business. We need technology, of course, because this is like AI yeah, and stuff. So fortunately, we were, you know, like we were fortunate enough enough to get all of these uh, pieces of the puzzle um, with us. So to start with uh, medical, uh, or let's start with myself first. <laughs> so, uh, so I've been doing startups in the past. Uh, like before joining EF, I was doing um, another startup, and I've been into tech uh, throughout my life. So, uh, so yeah, this comes kind of comes naturally to me to to you know try and find problems, try to solve it. Uh, but again, like why uh, specifically in this field is because um, like I myself, I come from a family of doctors. And kind of I have empathy for this particular problem, you know, like I've seen people traveling hundreds of miles across from small villages in India uh, just to get this five minutes procedure done. And uh, probably now is the time I could do something about it to kind of solve these problems. Um, like why simple things needs to be so complicated. So yeah, so that's that's how I started, like how, how can we solve um, one specific problem? Uh, and yeah, like I have got like enough business experience. Um, how how like how to go about uh, starting up a company, um, the fundraising um, uh, life cycle, hiring, and all those things. So that's that's me. Um, then talking about the tech, of course, to build something like this, you need some someone very 
extremely geeky and techy. Geeky <laughs> and techy, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I was fortunate to find. So I was basically, if you can think about it, like I was finding someone. Uh, I have a business problem. I want someone to to solve it, and I f I found this guy Dipanchu, who is my CTO now, and he is just the opposite. Like he was. He had this technology with him, and he was finding uh, where can he apply this uh, yeah, technology. Yeah. So he has been working in like autonomous driving car. He he built like um, autonomous driving softwares in in the Silicon Valley, and uh, yeah, he has been like he has been the AI geek for the last six years, which is probably even longer than AI has been out there in the market. And sometimes, yeah, <laughs> even I'm intimidated by his <laughs> skills. So yeah, that's how me and him uh, came in together. And the last part, which is the medical um, uh, expertise, so yeah. we were fortunate enough. So for me, it was like easier to quickly understand the problems, talk to a lot of people, doctors, and then scale it to um, say East Asia. So we have like some, got some of the best doctors in gastroenterology uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, we have now some doctors uh, helping us from Japan, from India. So we've got like all of them, all the pieces covered. All the pieces of the puzzle that help really right. kind of solidify the idea. Right. Um, and at what stage, um, obviously you, you mentioned earlier you're a graduate of the uh, Entrepreneur First Pre-Idea Accelerator program here in Hong Kong. Um, at what stage did you start to look at applying to a program like that? Um, how far along were you with the product and how did that program help you sort of build and grow um, to where you are now, where I believe you're you're launching some clinical trials. Very, I think after this conversation, um, you're heading over to a hospital here in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's today yeah, after this. But yeah, um, the way uh, so th this was like uh, if we talk about EF, it's a pre-idea accelerator. So uh, so yeah, basically I applied to EF without without having an idea, which is qu quite strange, yeah. you know, in the VC world, but kind of makes sense. So uh, what EF is. So uh, should I talk about EF? Or yeah, <laughs> sure, go for it. <laughs> so, so yeah, basically, uh, what what they are trying to do is f uh, just the opposite. So th they they believe that you don't have to like have a solid idea uh, in order to um, in order to of, of course you need a solid idea, but in order to uh, create a successful startup, uh, what they are trying to do is get talented individuals together, and they believe that if you throw in like uh, say fifty people in a room. Um, they're gonna create some uh, valuable startups. So, uh, so when I joined EF, I didn't have this concrete idea. I ah, just brought so in my skill sets. Yeah, yeah. And you met the other, the medical piece and the technology yes. piece through in this very room, actually. I think where we're having exactly, a conversation. Yeah. It's yeah. like full of uh, yeah, sixty people. Sixty people, this. lots of brains yeah. all together. <laughs> it was a good uh, dating experience, like <laughs> more like a dating app, like not dating app, but dating event, real time dating event. event. Yeah, yeah connect yeah. with the. Uh, <laughs> meet people with a similar mindset and, and connect and build. Yeah. So you built the idea through through that program and then um, you're one of the few, I think, that, that came through that program and ended right. up working through Garage in the space here. Right. Right. Um, once you'd graduated from the Accelerator, what were sort of the, the challenges you had to address with the team um, to help get that company growing? Yeah, so uh, in terms of challenges, uh, obviously they were like, uh, one would be the sector itself, medical sector, which tends to move slow, slower, yeah. uh, at, at a very slower pace. So even if, say, uh, let's say I have a, uh, a shitty SaaS software, not even shitty, but yeah, I just build something quickly. Uh, but this thing doesn't happen in medical. It has to go through all the due diligence because it's about human body. So uh, even if it has some indirect implications, uh, no one wants to risk it. So something which 
usually takes say six months would take uh, one and a half years in in, yeah. in, in a medical startup, yeah. even more. So uh, so yeah, I think the space at which these things move is by the nature of the field, it's very slow. Yeah. Uh, number two would be, um, I think the funding obviously because of this slow nature uh, for for investors, sometimes it gets harder to invest because the return on investment it. it's it's slow. So yeah. it's like. If normally if they're looking for two years return return in, in, on investment, then the ROI is uh, four years yeah. in medtech. So yeah, I think the fundraising is kind of tricky, and uh, I think yeah, probably these two. But then one thing can so lead solve another things. Yeah. So maybe the third thing is uh, which is um, talent recruitment, and mm -hmm. because we need plenty of hands, yeah, um, like not just hands, but uh, yeah, talented people who can. Uh, because for big ideas, you need big and smart team, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think this this is the third third uh, third leg. Um, but then uh, the way we try to solve it is uh, start with unscalable things. Uh -huh. So for example, um, the CTO is supposed to do um, the, the architectural part, and then he should ideally have a team. But if not, then maybe we we do we reach to the first milestone by ourselves. Yeah. Um, prove that the technology works. Um, get some clinical um, data and stuff. And then build from there. Yes, exactly. And you mentioned there around the slow speed of working um, in the medical field, um, with obviously with lots of public bodies as well. Um, do you have any sort of advice for anyone who is looking to launch a health tech company from your experience now of, of trying to get this through and working with these institutions? Because I think that, that is one of the key hurdles for um, companies looking to engage. Yeah, so, so right, so, so I think, uh, in order to beat the speed, then you have to plan uh, way, way beyond in advance. Yeah. Um, and given the, the nature of the field, again, um, you have to do. So, I think the only way to go forward in, in at least in this field, is to build something, like bring the latest technology in. So, if it's if we look at history, people have been like kingdoms. They have been fighting with each other, trying to steal something from this. He uh, one kingdom you know, rules the other kingdom yeah. and stuff like that. Or even recently, like if we see small companies like e-commerce, they're fighting with each other. But I think in this field, uh, it's not about competition um, and speed, uh, but it's more about the long-term vision, which yeah. um, probably like invest in something which people need. The right? impact, it's like impact investment. For impact, yeah. 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 So if it, you go more deep tech, you, you do, um, uh, so that the speed is not the main uh, blocker for you. Do you find that that means you're engaging with investors and people who really are a little bit more passionate maybe about the end solution than someone who's just looking to make some revenue or? Exactly, so our, our lead uh, VC, which uh, we have not disclosed yet, but uh, they are they are a charitable trust uh, who have converted into VC. Okay. And they have, they have no hurry to get their returns on investments. Yeah, yeah. So we were specifically looking for uh, these kind of investors so yeah. that we don't waste, waste our time. And uh, you know, the time is very important at yeah. this point. Great. Um, and talk to me about the, the AI piece, because I'm sure that you know, AI is a very hot topic. We do lots of talks and events around AI um, that are very well attended here at Garage. But uh, how are you implementing AI? I think uh, many members have seen you um, viewing video footage for your, for, for your company and, and tagging various uh, artifacts, I understand. Um, but talk to us a little bit about how, how the AI is helping you implement this solution. Right, so, uh, so there are like plenty of things. The, the first thing which we are looking at is to improve the technique 
of uh, of endoscopy. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, so talking about the videos annotations, of course, this is one of the uh, unscalable things that we we had to do in the beginning. Uh, but given at this point, now we have we are kind of slowly offloading that piece to uh, we have hired some researchers uh, who can help us with um, say video annotations and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think this um, does that kind of. And how is that technology, uh, wh when you're talking to hospitals, how are, are you having to educate them a little bit on how the technology works? And uh, how, is, how do you apply training, say, to um, working with the professionals when you're implementing these kind of tech? I, I'd assume some medical professionals might feel a little nervous that new innovations might yeah. potentially start replacing them. Um, and I think there's a lot of conversation around AI in the workforce uh, from, from that direction. So. How, what is your approach to sort of talking with the boards and working with, with staff in, in hospitals? Right. So to answer the first part, uh, the training bit, it's, uh, it's actually not very uh, hard uh, because we, we are kind of building it along with the doctors. So it doesn't come as a surprise to them. Um, it's not, so basically, let's say there are 20 gastroenterologists. So we have already bought in 15 people. Um, um, like they also agree on this this solution, this particular okay. solution. So I think the UX is pretty much, uh, has been planned for one year, so it's just a matter of we rolling it out. Yeah. Uh, but to, uh, to co answer the question about uh, the resistance, so I think, yes, it is, I think and it's like in, in not non-domain specific, it is kind of, uh, like when you say that we are replacing our job, the first thing is, is fear, that yeah, yeah. it happens very naturally. Uh, but then if you, if you look at the level of jobs, yeah. Right, so so they're like different levels. So so the first um, the first things that have already been replaced are the most easiest, like the um, the entry level jobs, right? Which is very redundant and very repetitive kind of things, yeah. which have already been replaced in the past. Yeah. And let's say the next jobs that will be replaced are slightly one level up, which is like driving. Uh, so we have autonomous driving. Mm -hmm. Then we have like BPOs. You know, so right now it's already happening that. You have, we have chatbots, mm -hmm. uh, customer support, we have like um, Google Assistant, voice yeah. callings. So those, those would be the next that would be replaced. And yes, I, I think in those fields, it's even bigger challenge because that's the only thing that they do. Yeah. Um, but, but for the doctors, fortunately, they have so many things to do uh, that if we say that, hey, we are going to automate this one tiny bit for you and they'll be like, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because uh, even in gastroenterology, right, uh, the burden, the globe, uh, so they, they keep calculating how much is the global burden, uh, what is the demand and supply. So it's only going to improve the quality. Um, say there is still 30% lack of doctors, and mm -hmm. this, this gap is never going to be filled unless there is something dramatic, Unlimited. such as AI, yeah, yeah, yeah. which kind of fills that gap. Yeah. So it's not going to replace their job anyway. Like, uh, I can't imagine. AI doing very um, complicated heart replacement yeah. uh, surgeries yeah. anytime in uh, in, in, in the near the future. future. And you still need, I think, particularly in the medical field, you want to engage with a human, don't you? I, don't, I can't see, I think there was a story last year around uh, some hospital had a bot that went around with a video screen to talk to patients or something, and it, they got a lot of really negative PR because um, you know, there's still that human interaction that's needed when you're taking various serious matters. Right, yeah, no one trusts, like, I wouldn't do it if it's a robot is, like, doing my LASIK surgery. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, uh, no, thanks. No, thank you. <laughs> Don't want it to go wrong. Um, so so you, you came into this field, obviously, not, not specifically from a med tech or health tech background, but have you had a chance to explore 
what's happening with health tech in Hong Kong in particular, or do you have any thoughts around the sort of health tech industry here? Yeah, so I think uh, in general, uh, what's happening in health tech is, I would say essentially two things. One is to improve the quality of life so that we live disease-free, we live healthier, we are stronger, those kind of things. And second is to extend the, the life lifespan. So, mm -hmm. so for example, and this is, I, I saw this one in one of the recent talks, so I'm just gonna uh, <laughs> repeat the same here, that um, say in, in, the, in the very old ages, right? Like say 100 years back or say 200 years back, uh, the lifespan used to be pretty small, like 30 years, 40 years, that's it. And say in recent times when we have like more sophisticated tools, um, computers and stuff. So yeah. in today's world, the, the lifespan has extended to eight years. Mm -hmm. And with so it is predicted that in the age of AI, with so many preventive measures to happen, um, so many things. So the, the lifespan is going to go up, say, 120 years. Yeah. Um, and probably the 80 years guy we have today is is much we, so the the future 80 years guy is going going to be more stronger than the current yeah, yeah. 80 years guy so that's the over overall um, direction yeah. but then uh, specifics there are like a lot of things like genomics there is so much work being done yeah. uh, obviously cancer prevention mm -hmm. kind of things that we are working with uh, diagnostics that's a very hot area yeah. um, slowly there is always al also um, work being done in the field of robotics, uh, like doc, um, robots trying to aid the doctors or se semi-automate some of the things. Yeah. Uh, so it's like doctors and humans working hand in hand in order to eventually benefit for the benefit of the patients. And do you think, you mentioned there about 120 years, um, how do you think the planet is going to sustain this extra, uh, I, I guess that's maybe not in the field that we're talking about here, but um, I, there needs to be input from other areas, I guess, in, in order to help sustain that, that extension to human life, because we're already kind of getting to capacity, potentially. Um, what are your thoughts on that and medi medicine's role in sort of extending life expectancy versus the natural sort of curve of things in the world? Right, so, like, uh, so there could be so many implications, like, let's maybe, what, uh, if, if we can try and rephrase uh, it. It's more around, you know, population growth. Uh, lots of places are already hugely overpopulated, very dense cities. Um, and using technology, if we're extending ourselves to 120, 130, 140, I think that's going to have an, uh, that could actually have a negative impact on, right. on other aspects of, of the world, right. um, from pollution to all sorts of the other um, uh, sustainability issues we've been talking about recently. Right. I think yeah, that's that's a very long topic of the debate. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, maybe if you want to know my views, yeah. um, let me think about it. So, so basically, with AI, what we are trying to do is create a new workforce, right? So, probably. So, if we talk about one twenty years old guy who is enjoying his life, like out in there on the beach, it's probably okay if yeah. AI is like cleaning up his shit and yeah, yeah. doing everything for him. Um, but then if the 120 years old guy if he's like working very hard then yeah. it's then we have a problem yeah and i think on the on the population growth it's it's already kind of slowing it down um, yeah. like we we saw a very steep growth in the population mm -hmm. um, but from what from what i kind of have read that it's it's going to now it's like around 8 billion but yeah. it's going to plateau at around 11 billion mm -hmm. very soon it's kind of slowing down um, but anyway uh, I think eventually the idea is to improve the quality of life. Um, 
and if we can use this technology in order to in not not to challenge us but to try and solve all these problems say mm -hmm. uh, pollution so there 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 are technologies which are happening to kind of extract carbon from the um, from, from the, the atmosphere yeah. We are using technology to reduce pollution. I think Bill, Bill Gates is doing some of that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, with carbon. Also, yeah. I heard some crazy project in China is yeah. still happening that people don't have any idea about. Idea about. Cool. But uh, yeah, like uh, that's probably what uh, I have. I'm not an expert in this field, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's probably I feel on a on a personal on level. On a personal level. Yeah. And where are you with Endovision? Obviously, um, launching in Hong Kong shortly. But what are the next markets for you, and uh, how are you looking to grow the company? Yeah, so I think in this field, uh, it's very very important to be specific and not to lose focus because it's very lucrative to say like, hey, I want to do everything. But yeah. then um, given that, if, if uh, because there are also other players in the market. So for us as a company, we, we, have to, we cannot lose focus. Um, so just like we started our mission to, um, to, to reduce the gastric uh, cancer miss rate, uh, which is high in East Asia. So the obvious natural step, next step, which is uh, from Hong Kong, we yeah. uh, China is the next um, next direct um, market that we are, we are going to enter. Okay. And then South Korea, Taiwan. So it's mostly uh, uh, going to be around East Asia. Okay. And uh, secondly, like instead of going uh, expanding horizontally, like trying to say that hey, now I'm doing upper GI endoscopy for this disease. Uh, probably I can do few more disease in upper GI, or probably I start doing colonoscopy. Yeah. Uh, so. So basically, we are not uh, very keen for ho horizontal expansion at mm -hmm. this point because um, because of the nature. So we, we want to go more deep. Deep uh, on a focused yeah. area. Yeah, so this... In we Master can your focus. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So trying to get more, provide more value for the same thing. So right now we are aiding, so probably we can um, guide them, uh, you know, like navigate them and yeah. eventually not replace, but try and, you know, do something together with them. Holistically, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Something and like you mentioned China. Are you? Is that through the Greater Bay Area, Shenzhen, and onwards, or are you looking? Uh, how are you enter China? Yeah, so we have some collaboration in um, in Guangzhou and uh, okay. in the, and Shanghai. Yeah, and they they are actually uh, high. Um, so high high uh, incidence rate for for gastric cancer. Yeah, and some of the best uh, facilities are available in this area and. We are fortunate enough to have some connections there. Yeah. Um, so probably that would be the way to go. And would you see Hong Kong always being your base, or you could see yourself moving over to China and? Well, I mean that's I'm always flexible. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll have to see at least for now because Hong Kong is is great. I think. Yeah. Uh, we have got plenty of support. Uh, we are looking at um, finding some aids from the from the government funds. Yeah. Um, and given that it is also internationally connected, which the same as we are, um, mm -hmm. most of our fundings are actually not from China or Hong Kong, but from overseas. Would so you say that's commonplace amongst not uh, health tech startups in Hong Kong, that you're looking overseas for investment? It's a bit harder to find investment for health tech? I think so, yes. Yeah. yes. It has been quite, quite hard. Uh, but then if you're more exposed, if, if you keep yourself more, more exposed to the global market, then yeah. then you, you just have to keep knocking doors until you find you, you can yeah. get one. Would you say that a little bit of that may be to do with the, like we talked about earlier, the, the, the ex expectations on return on investment from, say, Hong Kong investors? Well, to be honest, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think people, uh, from what from the limited number of people I could connect with, yeah. I felt that uh, people are more... Um, they don't want to risk 
uh, that much as compared to some of the other places. Um, and people, uh, at least the VC firms, are more focused towards Series B and further, which is more towards the growth phase. Yeah. Uh, but then there's probably something lacking to to bring to you know the, to bring the startups to these levels. Mm -hmm. uh, so th for that, we have to obviously like uh, there's a chicken and egg problem. Yeah. Uh, and th that's 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 the way it is. <laughs> yeah. So you have to find some way to to go about it. And uh, what do you see for the? I think we've we've touched on it a little bit earlier. Like, where do you see the future of AI growing and? What do you hope to achieve uh, in the next five years or so with EndoVision? Yeah, so uh, for for us, it's it's um, just like I said um, earlier. It's going more deeper. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the things uh, I probably <laughs> not say on the on the on, on, on the on the camera, but yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, if if we just uh, think about it as a as a sector, yeah. um, it's it's basically right now we are kind of giving them some hits hints, uh, giving the doctors. Uh, trying to get, um, trying so this tech tech is basically helping them to not miss some of the things, um, and then the next step would be obviously to um, to kind of navigate them uh, to to give more support to them, uh, eventually to a point where um, so right now let's say one doctor is able to serve ten doc uh, ten patients, um, the goal would be to so that the one doctor is going to serve hundred patients yeah. in the same amount of time, um, and this. With the with the use of tech, so in a country like China, uh, it's very clear that we need gastric cancer screening, for example. Yeah. Uh, but there are just not sufficient amount of doctors to carry out this kind of uh, mass screening. Mm -hmm. So if we can have like each doctor serve like ten times or hundred times more people, then we might be able to to do that. And then you can leverage that into other other regions as well, and yes. that exactly. really benefits. Uh, Populations that are also less accessible potentially exactly. uh, in areas that aren't connected as well. Yeah. Um, so um, to extend on that, like I just I uh, was I was in Japan like a few weeks back, and uh, there's one of uh, one of the most famous doctors, and he was pretty much interested in Bhutan. He was like Bhutan is like a very small country. Probably many people have mm -hmm. not even heard heard its name, but um, basically, yeah, there are like thirty-four thousand um, endoscopists in yeah. Japan. Yeah, uh, and for that population, it is recommended that Bhutan should at least have, um, say, at least one thousand. You know, yeah. well, ideally five thousand, but one thousand. And I was surprised to find the n amount of doctors they had, like yeah. amount of endoscopists. Yeah. Um, would you like to take a guess? Uh, five hundred. It's one. One. Yes. Wow. In the entire country, wow. there was to be two, but one of them became became the prime minister something. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's a crazy story, but it clearly shows that uh, we don't have uh, sufficient manpower, yeah. and we need to do something about it. And at, at the current rate at which we are training, yeah. it's just not it's it's not sustainable. So the the story here then is around technology allowing us to plug that gap with resources that are not available through training and and human capacity. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, Rab, for joining us today for a startup roast. Um, I've been James, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Thank you. Thank you.